First Samuel chapter two, man, we're getting the story underway. Um, let's pray real quick, and then uh, we're going to be diving into exactly what God has for us today. But uh, so let's pray, uh, Father. We just we just come to you this morning. Um, I'm kind of remiss after like such a heavy storm that uh, came through last night, uh, such rain and everything. Lord, we just pray that this morning that. Uh, there's just a refreshing spirit uh, this morning with this chapter, with uh, maybe there's something that we all just need to hear, that we all just need to uh, grasp, that it just touches us somewhere in our lives that we need to uh, just maybe either reevaluate or just be encouraged today or uh, whatever it is that just jumps out at us, uh, out of your word, Lord, that just fills our spirit. Lord, we just pray that... Um, uh, you just fill us up with your Holy Spirit as we go forward in our days. Lord, I just pray, um, I pray a prayer of surrender, Lord. I just pray that this uh, be your word that you're teaching me uh, as much as you're teaching everybody else through your word, Lord. Um, I pray that you just use me uh, to fill us all up. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. All right. Okay. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Uh, I'll be reading out of the NLT. Um, and just a real quick recap. So, you know, we had um, Hannah here that is um, she's just barren. She's not able to have a child. Uh, as we looked in the last chapter, she's praying for that. Um, you know, as no noticing she's in the presence of the Lord there and praying to him. Uh, and this is a perfect one where she's not praying out loud. She's just praying quietly but her lips are moving and she's praying for a son. And one of the, you know, wild things that we see here is that she prays that, Lord, will you give me a son? So I give, give him back to you. So I can give him back to you. Uh, and she makes good on that promise. Um, she's there. They give Samuel over after he is weaned. And uh, which means basically uh, he's still extremely young. And he's handed over, um, over there at the tabernacle. And so uh, there then we catch here at the beginning of chapter two, Hannah's prayer. As she's, uh, they're worshiping to the Lord as she's handing over Samuel. Uh, we start at the beginning that this is Hannah's prayer uh, of this. And then we'll get into the rest of chapter two as well, uh, which is some great lessons um, and kind of different thought processes that are very different uh, from us, uh, the way that our society kind of works. Uh, and so we're going to look at that. But I'll jump into chapter two now. Um, here we are at Hannah's prayer uh, as she's worshiping the Lord, handing over Samuel. Um, and so verse one, then Hannah prayed, my heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescue me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows that you, what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumble are now strong. 
Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings uh, brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, places them in seats of honor, for all the earth is the Lord's, and he has set the world in order. He will protect his faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to his kings. He increases the strength of his anointed one. Verse 11, then Elkan returned home to Ramah uh, without Samuel, and the boy served the Lord by assisting uh, Eli, the priest. So here we go. Now we're kind of moving on to really focusing on Eli as we jump into the last um, portion of this chapter. So now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. They had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork uh, while the meat of the sacrificed animal, animal was still boiling the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand uh, that whatever it brought up be given to eli's sons all the israelites who came to worship at shiloh uh, were treated this way sometimes the servants wouldn't uh, come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar he would demand raw meat before it uh, it had been boiled so that it couldn't be used for roasting. The man offering the uh, sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned. Then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now, or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. But Samuel thought he was only a boy, But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year, his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him uh, when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless uh, Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. And the Lord blessed Hannah. And she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. That one really hit me today. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. We'll talk about that. Uh, Now, Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I've been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you're doing. 
Why do you keep sitting? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, the boy, Samuel, grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. Verse 27. One day a man of God came to Eli and gave him this message from the Lord. I revealed myself to your ancestors when they were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly vest as he served me. And I assigned the sacrificial offerings to you, priests. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? Let me just repeat that part. Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promised that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priest, but I will honor these. I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. The time is coming when I put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priest. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. You will watch with envy as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel, but no members of your family will ever live out their days. The few not cut from serving uh, at my altar will survive, but only so that their eyes can go blind and their hearts break and their children will die a violent death. And to prove what I have said will come true, I will cause your two sons, Hophina and Phineas, to die on the same day. Then I will rise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire. I will establish his family and they will be priests to my anointed kings forever. Then all your surviving family will bow down before him, begging for money and food. Please, they will say, give us jobs among the priests so we will have enough to eat. The word of the Lord. All right. So this one's got a lot of meat to it. There's a lot of different little lessons and pockets here uh, to kind of really glean out. And um, we'll kind of dive into like Hannah's prayer a little bit, which is, um to to anybody that's a theologian it's just like yes you got this right Hannah like this is so good this is just like a um a prelude before you get into psalms because this is basically what this is it's uh it's so good and she just has so much uh reverence for God you can see the reverence uhness in her prayer you can see that how she just she just lays it all and says God you have full control Like, that's what I get out of her prayer the most is that her complete and utter faith in that God is in full control. And there's a level for all of us, like, do we have that understanding that God is in full control? 
And yeah, the church answer is, yeah, of course, God has full control. But do we act that way? Do we, do we even, do we act that way? Do we speak that way when we leave the four walls of the church building? Do we uh, act that way when we're at work? Do we act that way when our boss is acting not so bossy, not so, not so nice or good to us when um, situations at work look um, rough, when situations in our marriages work, look rough, when uh, situations in our family or our friend relationships and elsewhere don't look promising? Um, does, do we still remember that God is in full control? And there's a level that I think we can all say that um, we that kind of escapes us, and we think we have to be in full control. That we have to be uh, always um, the ones that dictate our future, and that's told to us all the time in uh, our society that you dictate your future, and you have free will, and you do get to make choices. But ultimately, God is overwhelmingly sovereign, even over that. And we see that even played out at the end of the chapter where, guess what? Because of their free will, because of uh, Eli's two wicked sons, their free will went away from the Lord. God says, then I will raise up a faithful priest. And we see that God is ultimately sovereign. Guess what? I, if you don't want to do it, you don't want to love me, you don't want to come to me out of your free will, then I will remove you and I will put who actually needs to be there as priest. I will put whoever needs to be there uh, in your job that needs to sit in that job. If I, I will put whoever needs to be where they need to be for my will to come to pass. He is ultimately sovereign. He will remove those that uh, through their free will do not want to participate, do not want to be a part of. If you've been through experiencing God, uh, the Connect Group, as we talk about Connect Group leaders coming up uh, that night for Sunday, uh, if you've been through experiencing God, it's that's part of it is uh, what is God working and do we just join in on what God is doing? Like God's will, his sovereignty, his everything is in motion and moving forward. Do we jump into it or do we not? That's where our free will comes into play with God's sovereignty. God's will will happen, but do you choose to be a part of it or not? But Hannah's prayer goes through like, you know, God, uh, he gives life and he takes it away. And it says the Lord gives both death and life. He brings down uh, some to the grave and he raises others up. Uh, the Lord makes some poor and others rich. This is his sovereignty. Like everything we have is a blessing from the Lord, including our children. And we'll get into that too. Our children are a blessing from the Lord. And it's stated that way a couple of times throughout the Bible that our children are a blessing. It's a, it's a reward given to us. And we see that even here that, you know, that's, a, that's a prideful thing. Like that's a thing, um, you know, guys, we, we may be kind of like, yeah, we got some kids running around. You know, but for a woman to, you know, be able to give birth and bring life like that is a ultimate gift uh, and capability that women can do uh, and that we get to stand by and we get to support, we get to love, we get to nourish 
uh, men. Uh, we get to do that for our, our ladies, for our women uh, that in our lives, our wives, we get to do that, but we don't, we're not the ones that do that. And there's a, there's a sense of like, you know, when I talk to uh, women that they're like, oh, I, you know, I, I, maybe they've had a miscarriage or something like that. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's not only just a loss, but it really hits women at the core uh, of a part of their special identity that makes them different than us as men. And so that's a huge, huge component for them. Um, and so that's why we see Hannah sitting here praying so much to have a child. We see all like we see this all throughout, right? Abraham and Sarah, they weren't able to have kids until they were 199, right? Uh, and so, I mean, I think all of us are like, if I'm even near 100 or 99 years of age, I, I don't having a newborn in my house is not on the top of the list of things to want to do <laughs> right at that age. All right. But that's still something that they got to do. We see that having children is a sign of blessing, is a sign of prosperity, is a sign that God is with you uh, in that. And so when uh, there's a level that it's becoming hard for a woman to have a baby, that is something that is very much like, oh my gosh, Lord, please. Um, and so this is even huger in the culture, uh, much, much bigger, because nowadays there's so much in culture of, well, no, just let the couple be and have no kids and move on with it or uh, be as it may and, uh, and whatever. And so, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but it's it's gone away that the culture back then was very, very much like you almost got looked down upon if you could not have kids. Uh, if you you almost look like you were smitten by God for some reason, if you could not. Uh, and so her praying to have Samuel and, and then that coming to fruition uh, was absolutely God's answered prayer uh, and her just praise and, you know, staying true to her word staying true to her word and bringing Samuel to the Lord and then saying uh, this ultimate prayer of just, God, you are ultimately in control. And that utter surrender um, of, of everything to him. It's, it's a beautiful prayer when you really uh, dive into that understanding of her mindset and where she's at. And the Lord continues to bless her as we read on uh, in, the, in verse 21. And the Lord blessed Hannah and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters uh, as well. Um, since, you know, when Eli prayed over them as a family uh, for them to continue to have kids. And so that was just just seeing her love there um, and her devotion to the Lord. It's just so amazing. And it's, so it's a big question for us. How much is our love and devotion? How much is our um, look at saying, God, you are sovereign over everything? you know, whatever the circumstances may be, you are still in control uh, and just feeling free from that. And if you're kind of one of those, and guess what? I'm one of those that I feel like, and I've been told all my life, you need to be in control. You need to have control of your situation around you. Uh, and I want to tell you that that's a false premise. Control what you can, right? You can make decisions, you can do whatever, um, things of that nature. But there's also a level of like, there's a lot you cannot control. And I want you to feel free that, guess what? God is, and God will make everything good for those that love him. 
I want you to feel free right now that whatever is going on in your life and you don't have the physical ability to actually put hands on it and make it happen. It's somebody else's choice that you want them to make the right choice. But guess what? You can't make them make whatever choice. If it's something you're having issues with your kids, if you're having issues with a friend, if you're having issues with another family member, um, a husband and spouse, guess what? As much as, yes, you've united in marriage and you came together as one, you're still two independent people. And guess what? And I know uh, those that have been married more than two days <laughs> already know she says one thing, he says another, and guess what? It happens. So, um, you know, it, it it is what it is. And just realize that God is sovereign. God is there. Uh, continue to praise him regardless of the situation. Um, so we see in Eli, we're going to shift gears into Eli's uh, wicked sons here. Um, kind of put this in context of what they're doing. Uh, you know, if you're not super familiar with the sacrificial system, basically all of the fat of the animal, like the huge chunks of fat, when you butcher an animal, those were to be given to the Lord. The fat was to be given to the Lord. And as you see that they're taking the food even before they're taking it out of order and they're taking it in excess. They're taking it out of order and in excess when it comes to the sacrifice part. Those are the two big parts that kind of stick out to me on their greed and their selfishness. Their greed and their, they have zero respect for the Lord, right? Verse 12, they, they're called scoundrels. And they have no respect for the Lord or for the duties of as a priest. Now, many of you here, you don't work at a church, and that's okay. But do you have respect for your duties as a Christian? Do you have respect for your duties as just being a mother and a father? Do you have your uh, respect for your duties at your job? Do you have respect for what you are called to do in your life? And that doesn't mean you have to be working at a church. Do you have respect for your duties when you say, I'm going to be uh, a connect group leader, or I'm going to be a leader on a serving team, or I'm going to be uh, just even I'm going to serve at church, or I'm going to do whatever it is I say I'm going to do even if it's not at church. Do you have respect for the duties in which you say you're going to do and that you're going to uphold? And do you have respect for the Lord? And so clearly these two sons had neither. They had neither respect for the calling on their life, and they had neither respect for the Lord himself. Uh, that is our Lord, regardless of your occupation. Right? And so right here, these guys have, they are out of order. We have to do things in order. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos or confusion. Amen. All right. And so we do things in order and then they took it in excess. This is like where, unfortunately, today in modern context, some churches and uh, the capital C church gets a bad reputation in America and in other places of the world. But of course, our stage is America. So that's what we primarily see. 
But when churches or pastors or priests take things out of excess, make like it's like it's disproportionate of the size church you have and the income and things that you have personally, right? Are is the is those that are working at the church outside of proportion of what is being brought in. Guess what? The tithes and offerings here have to be within order. Is there a percentage that's given to the work? Yes, guess what? The priest back then got the offerings that was brought in, the tithe that was brought in, which was mainly grain and meat, right? It was brought in from farmlands. It was brought in from that. And so they got provision from it. They were allowed to have a portion of that for their uh, work, for what they were doing. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong. God prescribed all of that. It's all in uh, Leviticus and, uh, and Exodus in there, right? When talking about what the priests get, but it was in a certain order. You had to do the sacrifice first. The fat went and was burned to the Lord. All of this was done right. There was a certain portion of the meat that was able to be given to the priest, a certain portion, not just stick a fork in it and I'll grab whatever I want out of the bucket, which probably meant it was like a quarter of the cow or more because it wasn't like chopped up into like small little cubes. It was massive chunks into this big pot. So they took excess and it was out of order. And so for us, it's like, are we taking excess? Are we keeping things that are not for us? It's meant for the Lord or it's meant for other purposes to do greater good, but for our own greed, is that us? We continue to go on. And so um, and we see, so the sins of the young men are very serious in the Lord's sight. Very serious. Now, in my earlier days of like really jumping in, I got like kind of a, a, a bad saying where, oh, sin is sin, right? And we get this, and we want to blanket it because then it helps us feel okay about ourselves. There's this false premise that, um, you know, sin is sin. And it's all like, it just flatlines, right? It's all sin. It's all flatline. But clearly in this area and in many other areas, and we're not silly, God's not silly either, right? If I steal a lollipop, but Mike goes and kills three people, there's a greater sin there. There's a, there's a greater grievance, okay? If I steal a lollipop, I can return the lollipop. Mike kills three people. Guess what? I can't return life to anything. There's a greater grievance of sin. There's a greater level. And here it says that, so the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight. So yes, sin is sin. It's all separating us. It's all a whole reason, regardless of so if I stole a lollipop, I ate the apple out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or I killed three people, or I was Hitler himself, or whatever it is, all of it did separate us from the Lord. But there's a diff in that separation, there's greater grievances. And then there's like a hey, little minor infractions that we still shouldn't do, but it's a little bit more slap on the wrist versus, oh my goodness, we see that in our own court system, right? I'm not going to get into the politics of the court system, but we ultimately know that certain uh, violations, penalties, or laws broken, you get a higher jail sentence, or potentially, depending on the state, you're in a death sentence, right? Uh, versus other things, not so much. 
We see that even in uh, Leviticus and all these other things, right? There was a more uh, grievous, um, egregious type uh, penalties for higher levels of sin. Uh, so uh, don't let that kind of get away that uh, all sin is flatlined. Okay. There's, there are levels where there's greater levels of sin versus others, and, and the Lord sees that as well. And he, this is one area that kind of demonstrates that. Um, we see like little glimmers of this that, you know, here's the one part is just because something's going on in an environment doesn't mean good can't come from it. We see that Eli is in charge. His two sons are doing wicked, wicked things. Um, potentially it's not fully said it in here, but it's mentioned as the warning that comes to Eli's family says that even some of the others, uh, priests that are working with his sons that are supposed to be doing their duties, they're also going to get a little bit of the wrath here because guess what? Collectively, nobody really held these two accountable. And Eli's the only one noted in here that mentioned to these guys, you're doing wrong. But all he does is give them a tongue lashing uh, and, and yells at them, but he doesn't physically remove them. There's a level that his, his attempts of correction are weak and, and really show no contempt or reverence for the Lord uh, to a level that it should. And the, even the other priests, it's no mention that anybody else, his co-workers aren't saying, bro, what are you doing? You're, this is messed up. This is wrong. This is, this is not only wrong, but this is very, very unholy. We're, this is not cool. Like, and making and doing some kind of physical action to stop this. Nobody's doing anything. They're having sex with people. They're seducing young women uh, who assisted in, at the entrance of the tabernacle as well. These guys are so fleshly desiring and so selfish. They're just diving into this all for themselves and have zero contempt, zero reverence, uh, and zero love for the Lord. I want to really press that. They have zero love for God. Because when you have love for God and you do something wrong, there's like this level of like, oh, I can't believe... I fell into that. I can't believe I fell short today. I can't believe I did whatever because I do love my God. But these guys have none. They just keep on doing. And even when they're brought out and called out by their dad, they're just like, whatever, dad. You know what you're talking about. It's, it's really, really upsetting. But we still see, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. If you will, it was an image of what was to come for him. It was an image of what's to come for him. I said that we're going to talk about this. And um, as we look at all this, and man, I had so many other notes of diving into stuff. I kind of really want to, as time wraps up, I want to dive into this. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. The ending part of verse 21. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And it really hit me. And we talk about where some people that say, well, I grew up in church. That's great. Did you grow up in the presence of the Lord? 
there's so much different. You can grow up and going to a building a lot throughout your life. You can grow up having frequent a nice building that praises the Lord. But did you grow up in the presence of the Lord? Did you grow up, or are children right now growing up in the presence of the Lord? Not just growing up in church. Not just getting, you know, church cultured. But growing up in the presence of the Lord. Growing up knowing Him and starting and having and growing in a relationship with the Lord. Are we demonstrating that as parents? to grow up in the presence of the Lord. And guess what? Some of us at 42 and beyond, or even younger than me or wherever you're on that, on the age spectrum, I hope that I'm still a child of God growing up in the presence of the Lord at whatever age you're at. Are we growing up in the presence of the Lord? Not growing up in church, not growing up in church culture, not growing up to be able to sound churchy or sound the right way just so I can get by on a Sunday and, and Sunday can just lift me up enough to get to the next Sunday. No, no. Like, are we growing up in the presence of the Lord? And I, I'm kind of preaching to the choir because we're right here uh, on so uh, collectively together in the presence of the Lord, reading his word, having a relationship with him right now. If you're listening to this on the podcast later, you're, you're in the presence of the Lord. You're wanting to dive into him. And so there's a level like you're on the right track. Keep it going. Continue. So other people see you doing this. Like if you're listening to the podcast on your way into work later this morning or whatever it is, do, do you go in and go, man, the podcast was great this morning. I learned X, Y, Z. I got whatever. I'm just like, I feel so energized to be at work today. Are you, are other people seeing you? Are you being a demonstration for others because you're growing up in the presence of the Lord? None of this is to be done so secret that nobody knows about it yes you're supposed to have your secret time with him your prayer closet and there's those those prayers that yeah that's between you and the lord and there's a level of that absolutely but we there should be evidence of that there should be evidence that we have that there should be evidence that guess what no matter how much i may want to hold it in and you know whatever policy at our work that you know uh, there's no religion at work whatever i can't help it because it exudes out of my pores the light of christ in my life that it's not even it's it's incapable of me to not shine the light of christ as i go out in my life because I'm growing up in the presence of the Lord. And the more that we do that and other people are seeing that and they wonder what's different about us and our children wonder about what's different about us and they grow up in the presence of the Lord. This is how this all works. It's just, it's that continual cycle. It's almost, it's not even just word of mouth, but it's word of presence. It's continue of presence. The Lord's presence is where it's at. That's where we need to be. That's where we need to be. The, the last part is we just see that 
when we're in the presence of the Lord, we realize the priorities of life and that we need to give praise to the blesser and not put too much precedence on the blessing. Let's give more praise and honor and, and joy and worship to who blesses us versus holding on to and focusing more on what the blessing is. And in our culture, it's backwards sometimes because we think that we have to honor our children, but our children are the blessing. If you honor the Lord, trust me, he's sovereign. He's in control. And by doing that, you will naturally bless your children. You will naturally be giving what needs to be given. They will naturally see what the right thing looks like. And so as we see what Samuel is doing, even in a toxic environment, even in, uh, you know, if you will, a toxic church environment, the Lord can still raise up good, honest, and pure people to praise and worship him. So as we wrap up today, the biggest thing is, are you and are you demonstrating for others? to grow up in the presence of the Lord? That's the big question. And if you are, great. Continue to do it. Keep doing this. Keep doing uh, whatever it is that's inf infecting others. I, I hear so many good stories of uh, the youth program and uh, just how like that is growing and how there's... Um, there's just such a, a vibrancy out of that for our youth and uh, um, just turning hearts. I, I got a, a story from my good friend. His, uh, his daughter uh, brought a friend to youth, and that friend found Jesus last night at youth. That friend that was brought into the presence of the Lord found the presence of the Lord last night. And so that child is now starting to learn what it means to grow up in the presence of the Lord. And I love it when I see my kids ask me questions about God. And sometimes my son's sitting there and I would go, oh, he's on his iPad again. He's always on his iPad. And then I catch him and guess what? He's watching a video about Jesus. And there's just something so amazing. When what is known as a blessing for you goes right back to honor and worship the blessor. And so let's keep just growing up in the presence of the Lord today. Let's pray. God, we just, we just love you so much. We just thank you. We just thank you for your presence right now. Lord, you're in full control of everything, even when we think we're in control, but Ultimately, Lord, even as I'm speaking right now, I'm, I'm in desperate need of you just for the air so I can continue to praise your name, so I can continue to uh, say how wonderful you are, so I can just use the air that you created that come into my lungs and just create this, this praise and, and love for you. So guess what? We're all on life support. We're all in desperate need of you every breath of the day. And so may we not lose that understanding that you are in full control. 
Lord, may we just be in your presence today. May we just remind ourselves as we breathe that we that we have you around us, that you're in our hearts, you're in our minds. Um, may you just continue to guide us, Lord, with your presence. May you continue to comfort us, Lord. May uh, whoever's hurting today, may uh, they just be comforted. May they be uh, strengthened as well to uh, comfort others that are uh, dealing with whatever. Lord, we've just heard of so much loss in the past week or so uh, of people that have lost loved ones, that have um, lost people tra- and tragically. Lord, we just pray for your presence, for comfort right now. Uh, Lord, we just know of others that are uh, sick or getting hurt or um, having to go to hospital visits and things. And Lord, we just pray for your presence there as well. Lord, we just pray for your presence in our schools, not just in our Christian schools, but Lord, in those secular schools, in those um, public institutions. Lord, may, may your presence just be public. May your presence just be healing. Lord, may your presence just be a, a, a nature of revival for you. May we just be in your presence, Lord. And we just love you so much. We just pray for you. We just pray for all that you do. And we just thank you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. Have a great Tuesday. And uh, we will see you all later this week. Worship and prayer tomorrow uh, and all the good things. If you are uh, planning to, wanting to, or um, have even an inkling to lead a connect group, come on out uh, Sunday. Uh, evening for Connect Group Leader Night. It's going to be great. See you all then. Take care. God bless. Love y'all.